On today's podcast, run through potential disappointing storylines. I think the Pelicans have to be number one. And then this new phenomenon of more content from the NBA. Mike Conley, Timberwolves, in Minnesota, trying to make the playoff run. What does he think of another new team? What happened in Utah? Sarah Walsh on Aaron Rodgers Week on Good Morning Football and Life Advice. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Every now and then when I try to figure out like what I want to do to start the podcast, I'll be like, oh, wait, that thing that Bill and I were supposed to do, we didn't do it. And so he and I were actually going to have a disappointing storyline draft on Sunday, but we ended up doing the numbers thing so much that I felt like, oh, there was all the stuff that I had done, so... Maybe I'm giving you some leftovers, but I actually don't think I am. And then there's also this other phenomenon that's going on with dudes talking, especially in the NBA circles, which we should all want to have happen. But it also means like once we hear something, we go, like, where did that guy say? And Mario Chalmers, I mean, Gilbert Arenas has been starring in this movie for like multiple weeks. I'd be like, Gilbert Arenas is number one. And fucking what the hell did he say? Box office for the 17th straight week. We have to have Gilbert back on, by the way, too. I think that relationship is good. So uh, I'd like to ask him potentially a few uh, follow-ups. But before we get into what's happening on um, on different <laughs> NBA podcasts, I would like to touch on this concept because we didn't play it out and I'm not going to do this now necessarily, although I may finish with a ranking. If you were to draft the disappointing stories in the NBA so far this season, who would go where? I mean, how many could you go? I don't want to make it so negative that it's like, all right, pick number 27 is, right? Because that's not true. Because there's a lot of great stories. The East is awesome. Uh, Philly figuring things out. Them losing Chicago last night almost felt like it was due. Double overtime, they lose and beat the foul trouble. So that's not that big of a deal. Um, we've talked about the depth. We've talked about the scoring stuff. But if you just go by kind of team and maybe even player, but it feels a little bit more team related, what would be the number one pick for the most disappointing storyline? This feels a bit like, when you played fantasy basketball with Shaq in his prime, if you did do that, that it was like, oh, you get the number one pick. Like, this isn't even going to be fair because then you get this dude that gets these absurd numbers. Again, wasn't super locked into fa fantasy, but I just remember that being a thing. I don't think there's any other pick besides the New Orleans Pelicans. And it's not just this season. It's not them collapsing. It's not just the Zion thing, but it's also the Zion thing in the future. This is kind of everything. And this is a Pelicans team that I've said numerous times this season as the Clippers were, you know, sometimes it's just a recency bias of like, hey, they added John Wall. Like, that was the most recent thing. So now that's the deepest roster. And the John Wall thing did not work out. But there was a an argument about the Clippers having the talented most, you know, most talent on the roster, one through nine, one through ten, whatever you want to say. Uh, and I felt like it was definitely the Pelicans. And even without Zion, this talented roster that I believe is still in place in New Orleans, because it is, 
uh, they're a mess. So if you look at where they're at now, uh, they're a 12 seed today. So this team might not even make the playoffs. So, so much for my most talented roster thing. Uh, I am willing to accept criticism for that is what I'm telling you. They were 23 and 12. Uh, Zion goes out two games later in that game against Philadelphia where he pulls up with the hamstring. Uh, we had heard Zion would be reevaluated in a couple weeks. Uh, that was a couple weeks ago. So the most recent thing was hope that he would be back for the playoffs. So since that 23 and 12 start, they've gone 11 and 25. Uh, they're 26th in offense. They're 17th in defense. They are better than only three teams since January 2nd as far as total wins. More wins than only Houston, San Antonio, and Detroit. Probably figure out what those three squads are doing. You know, Brandon Ingram's be back for two months now. Uh, Murphy's had a really good month. Valentino. So there's, there's enough talent, I would have thought, to not be this bad. You're not going to be the same without Zion, but 11-25, and 25, potentially out of the playoffs, it's really frustrating for what I think is a front office and coaching staff that looked like this team had turned the corner, figured it out, had a bunch of options, had vets now, younger lottery picks for later. They still have the picks coming in from previous trades. Like There was a lot to feel really good about with this Pelicans team. And it's not disappointment that they're not going to be a top four seed or contend or come out of the West, which were all some of these weird possibilities we were thinking about, much like we were thinking about with Sacramento now. And when we talked about Sacramento for 20 minutes on one of the Sunday pods to open it up, we could have just simplified the whole thing by saying, and they've actually just been way healthier than everyone else, uh, which feels like it diminishes them. But if you're healthy and ready to go, as opposed to all these teams that have all these question marks, that's not your fault if you're the Kings. But for the Pelicans, I don't think there's any other pick because even without Zion, they shouldn't be this bad. They shouldn't only have more wins since he's gone out again than Houston, San Antonio, and Detroit. So if there were a number one pick for disappointing storylines, I don't know what else you would pick. Other potential picks on the board. I don't know if it's a Minnesota thing. And by the way, I just want to jump back to the Zion thing. Depending on how the Zion story goes for this year, now you're faced with like some real hard questions about the future of Zion with this basketball team. And I know we did it this year. Uh, there's past off season when we had Dave Griffin on, we talked about the contract. And he basically told us on the podcast, we will do the deal, but we need protections. That's exactly what he had. And Zion got his money, but there was some protection if he wasn't going to play. But this is an ongoing thing where you have to kind of ask yourself this question. And granted, most of the teams will never trade the guy like this because they figure even if we traded him, what we'd really get back, we get enough that's even close to what is a version of him when he's healthy. But if it doesn't work out that he's healthy again, and I know I kind of jumped back to the first pick, but that's why it's the first pick. It's it's years out planning of what you're hoping to be as a franchise because this dude who hasn't even really had to learn how to play basketball yet is still this dominant when he's playing. All right, so back to uh, Minnesota being on the board here. If you didn't remember, last year Minnesota actually finished 46-36. and 36. They went to six games in the 2-7 matchup against Memphis. It was kind of a fun series. Uh, right now, they're sitting at 36 and 37. Yes, they've had some injuries. Edwards and potentially Carl Anthony Towns coming back Wednesday against Atlanta. Towns has been out since November 28th. But it really speaks to the Gobert trade. And some of this may feel a little unfair for Gobert because he's not the one who traded him for himself. And he's had a really nice march. But if you look at all the numbers across the board, and this is the other part about Gobert, not only what you gave up for him, but that he was aging, he was showing some kind of decline, and the declines continued. The rebounding rate is way down. 
Uh, the blocks are the lowest since his rookie year. There's some metrics across the board that just tell you that he's not exactly the same kind of guy. Some metrics would be unfair to judge him on because Utah was just a much better basketball team despite not having playoff success. That Utah team put together a few seasons in a row there where they were one of the best teams in the league, um, at least in the regular season. But the problem for this is, is that you're not any better and you're projected to be worse than you were last season. Now, you can blame it all on the Towns injury, him not being there, them trying to figure out the D'Angelo Russell thing and bringing in a version of Conley. Um, that's, you know, let's face it, you know, an older version of Conley. But then you watch <laughs> Walker Kessler play and you go, wait, did we just trade a younger version of the dude that we just traded for that would not have cost all these other things? So not to keep going on and on and on about the Timberwolves trade there, but a lot of this is TBD on a lot of the potential picks here for disappointing storylines, but Minnesota and what's happened with Gobert there and seeing what Kessler looks like and that he's a big that closes basketball games, like, wait a minute, that's still happening? Um, that would certainly be in consideration for a pick, but not ahead of New Orleans. The L.A. teams are still kind of dot, dot, dot on this one. Uh, the Clippers had lost five straight at the end of February, March. They've won five of six. They're at the five-seed position. I swear to God, every time I think the Clippers will be lower in the standings, and I'm like, nope, they're not again. Like, whenever you have, when they're losing, it feels like everybody else is losing. We know that everything's super congested in the West anyway. So despite the frustrations of who's there and who's not, it's been pretty good now for a while. Uh, it doesn't necessarily translate to wins, but they've been really good with Kawhi. Have you realized these numbers since the All-Star break? He's 36 and three. He's 56 from the floor, 52% from three, I think on seven attempts per game. He's making all of his free throws again. So he has been on a tear. I think they know what their closing group is with the shooting that Eric Gordon provides. I know a lot of people are throwing around the Russell Westbrook fourth quarter numbers. Um, you might want to hold off on throwing those around so early. That's just a, a heads up to you. But it seems like with all the options, uh, which Ty Lue even admitted at times, like he was trying to figure out how to close. Remember that Sacramento ridiculous overtime stretch game there where it was in the 170s. He had said like, yeah, I even kind of forgot about Terrence Mann at one point. Um, so the Clippers thing, the only reason I would even suggest it is because when you mapped out putting together this roster, you figured, even with injury history here with Kawhi, you figured at the very least, like, we know we'll be in the mix. And it's mid-March, and I still don't know. On the other side, when it's not really across the street because he's playing the same building with the Lakers, they're the 11th seed today, but they're only half a game behind Utah. The problem is, is when you watch Utah play, they're coached well, they play really hard, they have a bunch of different options. Like You have to kind of show up expecting to play against Utah, even if there could be some last-minute jockeying here with 10-plus games to go. Uh, Anthony Davis has been great. The post-All-Star numbers are really good. He's not making threes again this year or this month. He hasn't really made threes in about four years. So right when I said after that Memphis game when he kept falling down all the time and I thought he was going to be done for the year three separate times, I was like, I just can't, I can't expect that it's all going to turn around. He's going to be terrific. We knew as soon as we said that, that he'd go on a nice run and he's been on that run. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is almost statistically to the 10th, the same exact guide statistically on a lot of the traditional stats that he was in Minnesota. But I think some of the bullshit stuff that drove me crazy with Minnesota, it's always going to be part of his game. I think he's been better. Maybe it's a bit of that new car smell early in the relationship where you're, you know, you're just, you're not letting the other person know all your secrets. It could be a bit of that. And he's making the free agency push. LeBron will come back. 
he is going to come back. So there's still a feeling that they could be really scary, but it probably has more to do with Anthony Davis being there every night and continuing to play this way before you would start being worried about playing him the first round. And it's just weird. We're going to have all these teams closing at the regular season going, who are they right now? And we just covered three or four. Golden State. I can't tell if we're not as nasty about Golden State. And I mean, it just feels like in general, because they won last year, right? Or should we be less nasty? What's happening this season? Like, they don't catch enough shit for how bad they are. The road thing, we keep bringing it up constantly. Like, how are they this bad on the road? Their defense on the road is 28th. They're only better than San Antonio and Houston. And by the way, every number that's really bad, that's ahead of a couple teams, it's either San Antonio, Houston, or Detroit that ranks last and all that stuff. Steph's missed 26 games. Wiggins has now missed 36. Who knows if he's even going to play again this season. Um, Dre and Clay Thompson have played a really good chunk of the year. So it's not that. Um, pool is regressed. And I think all the lottery guys, whether it's moving on from Wiseman, Kaminga being a different guy every single night, Moody, sometimes in the rotation, not being in the rotation. The fact that there's a couple G leaguers in there that were taking up a good chunk of the minutes with lamb and even Jerome at times, this is pretty disappointing, but maybe they avoid it because it felt like last year was, I wouldn't say a surprising title run because if they were healthy, you're not going to write Curry off. And then I think that's still lingering with me. It's like, what if everything's kind of good the last week and then you go in and you're like, wait, we're playing the Warriors in the first round? So they're on the board, but I don't think they'd be one of the top three picks. All right, a couple more here and then we'll finish up. Memphis, since Steven Adams has gone out, that was January 23rd. Um, it looks like he'll be reevaluated in less than three, more than two weeks. Their offense, and this is the crazy thing, the defense has been fifth in the NBA since that time. The offense is only 26th, and they're 13-12 and 12 over that time. Now, having gone through all the stuff that they've gone through, and the jaw part of it being the latest, and he's apparently going to be back this Wednesday against Dallas, they're the two seed today. So we know that you know disappointing seasons are graded more on the playoffs, but the jaw thing's in its own category altogether. Like, what does disappointing mean? You know? Like, hey, what's going on with Rasilla today? Oh, he's kind of bummed out. This Jaw stuff's really getting to him. Really? Does he know him? No, he's never met him. You know, right? So, like, I'm not disappointed. I'm not waking up today. Go, man, I hope Jaw figures it out, man. Uh, but he's probably going to come back and because he's a young dude. And there could even be a little element of this being like, all right, I got fucking weird on a night. Like, I'm fine. I've explained it. Maybe people didn't like the explanation. But. There's still no one in the league who can stay in front of me. So what's going to change there? I'm still going to get my 30 points and we're going to start winning some games. And if they get Adams back, they'll be good. Bain's been terrific. And I think the best part offensively for Memphis is the Jaron Jackson thing where he's taken more shots this month per game, about 15, than he has really throughout his career. He's usually kind of in that 11 to 13 shots per game throughout. Um, he gets to the free throw line. I know the threes aren't necessarily there with the scoring is and look his threes are fine it's still a threat still something that you have to defend and I thought what he did against Golden State the other night was terrific because Kaminga was was giving him some problems and then he realized like why am I even pretending like let me just up fake Kaminga Kaminga's young he'll fall for it and then he kept pressing going you know Golden State doesn't really have anything so I thought that game was actually an indication of Jackson kind of understanding what was happening around him and then attacking that way so you could sit there and say hey Memphis was supposed to be a real contender job was supposed to be an MVP candidate and all these things first team NBA um, but that all could very well still happen. So they're not ahead of what I think is my final picker, and that's Atlanta. 
Atlanta's an eight seed today. They're 35 and 36. Last year, they were, they finished the season 43 and 39, but they, they were at 36 and 37. They put together a nice stretch and won seven in their last nine. Um, if you look at the Quinn Snyder stuff here, 10 games into it, he's four and six. The offense is eighth with Quinn. The defense is 28th. Before he got there, the offense was 11th. Um, since then, they're, uh, they were 21st. They're actually five points worse per 100 possessions. I, none of this is on Quinn Snyder at this point. Whatever he wants to do, and put it all in. I just think that Atlanta has a really nice roster, and they're yet again, they cannot figure this part out. I think Trey was trying to kind of step off the gas a bit in the first few that he had with Quinn. It could have just been the schedule. It could have been the night-to-night thing. He was 15 shots a game the first four games. Since then, he's gone 21 or more shots per game. He's had a couple absolute duds in there. Um, But they're going to probably end up finishing up with a worse record than they did last year, and no one is going to pick them in the first round against any team in the playoffs. There are other options out there. Certainly, this list is not complete. But if I had to put them in order, it's a clear Pelicans number one. Atlanta might be number two. Yes, there's a Nets suggestion here. I think we've already done that Nets topic for like three years. Is the Gobert-Minnesota package three? Because the Clipper stuff is incomplete. Let's put Golden State because it's still incomplete at number four. And then I'd say the fifth most disappointing from this season is Dylan Brooks on a jersey swap. At the top of the podcast, I talked a little bit about uh, just NBA players talking because we're this is unbelievable. This is unprecedented stuff. I want everybody to have a podcast. Uh, doesn't mean I necessarily like. I mean, usually the only stuff that gets attention, you're like, what the fuck? And then it gets repurposed on those Twitter feeds where they will just take a quote from something else and then it gets a million retweets. And then they'll do a way where they type out the handle where you can't even click on it. So it's like we're making sure nobody gets really recognition for this thing that we're just biting from somebody else that's not even ours. But we just somehow have built up some following because in our bio it says that our tweets were featured on something, which is total bullshit. Um I can't imagine like the kid who runs the site and then the dad's like, how's it going? He's like, oh, yeah, Sam had a tweet featured on uh, on the Freddie Coleman radio show uh, the other night. They read his tweet. So, yeah, things are uh, things are looking up. It was it was a big day at the house. So anytime one of these NBA guys says any of this stuff, Sean, Yu, who used to work with us, the ringer, uh, he used to, I think, write for Oberman show because I would fill in and, and see him there. I always really liked him. He's funny. He was tweeting out something like D tier NBA guys having access to podcasts is like the greatest thing ever. And that's the thing. We should we should not hate it. We should all embrace it. But it also doesn't mean that we're not going to make fun of it either. Chalmers uh, recently, not Chalmers big and tall, Mario Chalmers. Uh, so Mario Chalmers had this to say about LeBron as a player on the In Shambles pod from the Playmaker Network. Nobody fears Gronk. Nobody's like, damn, I got to go play this Gronk tonight. Nobody said that. I don't know why. Right. Because I've seen people be scared when they actually line up to them, but they're not scared thinking about that matchup. Right. You hear anybody from that era talk about going against Jordan, there's a fear. Right. So when you have people that fear a player, then that's telling you something different already. Like, Jordan's just that guy. Like, everything was, I want to be like Mike. Right. Now, to revisit for Chalmers fans out there, uh, you already know this. He got yelled at like a little brother for, he wasn't even a little brother. It was like you going to a sleepover to your friend's house. And then he had an older brother that was a failed musician. And then every time, like, and you were too young to realize what a fucking loser he was. And if I'm being real specific, because I went through this, that's pretty much what I'm talking about. This one kid, we used to go over to his house. Everybody really liked him. And his older brother's a fucking weirdo. And, you know, he used to wear tidy whities around to the point where he thought it was like funny 
and he would like sit on us and it sucked and it was awful. And then it was like, you get older and you're like, that guy was a loser. Like the only reason he was making fun of us the whole time is because he actually had nowhere else to go on the weekends. And he was like old enough to drive. And we were just young kids playing RC cars. Uh, actually think on Nintendo. Is this segment going to make any sense? I have no idea. Anyway, the point is, is that Chalmers got yelled at like that by those dudes all the time. I think there was one time, Srudy was saying this before, where Chalmers may have gone back at him. There was also the one time where Chalmers had said something to him and LeBron was sitting down on the bench and LeBron got up and freaked out. To think that you would, you ha- even if you hated LeBron, there would never be a moment where you went up against him where you would be like, um, yeah, we're good. Yeah, you know, Sneaky, who we got to close out on is Verizal. Verizals, although I do respect how difficult he made it to rebound. I've said that before. Um, but we need to embrace this. We need to embrace it all. When Zach Levine says, hey, I'm one of the best on-ball defenders in the NBA, when Harden was actually looking to switch off of Kobe White into Zach Levine in overtime last night, let's celebrate that kind of stuff. When Paul George, who apparently hasn't, I don't know, that guy hasn't stopped talking forever. I mean, he said a million different things. Some of it was actually insightful and some of it wasn't. I'm Here's the point. Even if we don't like the answers, we should all like the access. The tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com forward slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N, and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. By the way, if you like the podcast, that would be very nice if you could do that for us so people know. Uh, that you're listening and you're paying attention. So then you can wager on everything from the money line, two point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. I'm going to give you one play for this weekend. One play, one play only. Arkansas plus three and a half. Uh, they are tough as hell. I know Connecticut's really tough as well. Um, and their top overall pick for Arkansas, Nick Smith there hasn't really done a ton here lately. Um, I just like some of the Arkansas perimeter dudes, even though you wouldn't say their front line is designed perfectly uh, to handle the size of UConn with both options that UConn has at the center position. But uh, if I'm getting Arkansas, I'm getting three and a half points. I'm taking it. So don't miss out on your shot at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com forward slash Ryan to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Must be 21 in select states. First online real money wager. Only $10 deposit required. Refund issued, not withdrawable. Bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com forward slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com forward slash RG Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 1-800-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit mahelpline.org forward slash problem gambling in Massachusetts. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-389 in New York, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Uh, he's been one of my favorites for a while, lucky enough to... Uh, Cross paths a couple times. I think a couple interviews, maybe one mutual friend. Mike Conley of the Timberwolves joins us. I don't know that you needed our entire friendship resume that there there isn't one just for the audience, but um, I think I think we have one mutual friend. So it's uh, it was always cool to catch up with you, man. How are you doing? 
I'm doing well. Thanks for having me again. Okay, so let's uh this is good timing. You know, it's been a bit of a rough stretch. Uh you have an incredible win against the Knicks at their place. You're putting together some 20-point games. Uh, how important was that win against New York, considering some of the tough ones you'd come off the previous week or so? Man, um, if there was ever such thing as a must-win scenario, it might have been last night. Um, considering, I mean, like you said, we've had two or three games that could have gone either way in the last week that uh, we felt we could have won. And, um, you know, then the news with, you know, Anthony getting hurt, Um you know, didn't help at all going into into that road trip. So for us to get a win on the road against the Knicks, man, we'll take that, you know, 10 times out of 10 and, and hopes that we get healthier as, as the season goes on. Are you more impressed with your pass to go bear now that you've seen it than actually doing it? Because I didn't realize it. I didn't realize, like, why is everybody so excited about this pass? And then I saw what you did with your left hand, and I went, okay, that's pretty nice. You know, honestly, um, when I did it in the game, like I, I reacted as if I had did exactly that. I was like, oh, that was that was crazy. And then like nobody else really in real time responded in the same way. So I was like, ah, well, maybe it wasn't like that. So I just kept going. And I saw, the you know, this morning I got a whole, you know, flooded with texts like, hey, man, that, the pass was crazy. Like and I saw the slow-mo version of it and and it was what I thought it was. So it was uh, I'm happy that people got to see it. For those that may have missed it, it's you're driving on the right side and the help's coming over kind of at the rim and Rudy's like filling through the lane. And it looks like, I mean, you tell me you're the one that did it, but it was kind of like almost a fake and then you spun the ball off your left hand. So like take us through what that was because when you do watch in a slow motion, it is that special. Yeah. Um, well, honestly, it I kind of played off the, the shot clock. We had probably like three seconds left and – um, when that happens and you drive to the rim, everybody's flooded to you thinking that you, you have to shoot it. And, and even I was thinking I had to get a shot up and, um, I saw Robinson kind of coming over to block the shot and I was going into for like a little scoop, you know, lefty, you know, high off the glass type layup and, um, saw Rudy just last minute. So as soon as I went to go scoop it, I like threw the ball in the air and like flipped my hand over and touched it to him and, um it worked out you know it worked out it wasn't planned at all it was reactionary um and so it was pretty cool okay this brings me to like a bigger point um i love that year that you had at ohio state because you know when you were there with odin it was like oh wait is actually conley this this good you know and it, like we knew the recruiting profile and all that kind of stuff and then you end up going really high you have this incredible career but i always feel like with guards there's this kind of wake up call of the the how difficult it's going to be to finish at the rim in the NBA. How do you navigate going, okay, I don't want to be a dude who never goes down there, but I've got to change it up to figure out any way to kind of compete? Because there's some guards that eventually will just decide, I'm never going to be able to do that, and it completely limits who they are offensively as a player. Right. Um, well, you know, for me, it was it was the process of realizing that early on. Early on, early on in the league, I came in, you know, like most college guys, you – get in the paint and you jump as high as you can and you just float and you try to figure out how to finish and you get knocked down, you get blocked and all this and you realize it's not going to work. So um, for me, it became like, all right, how can I navigate this? How can I find ways to finish over bigger guys? And um, that's when my floater, you know, with both hands started to really develop and became, you know, a weapon of mine to where like I can, I can stop short, just short of that moment where guys are going to, you know, alter my shot or uh, do anything like that and be, be comfortable, be in a comfortable zone. Um, and then, you know, 
take layups when I get them, but now I'm not trying to force myself to the backboard and slap glass and re, you know get get up there with the trees. So um, I think it allows me to to you know be at a pace that I want to be at, be comfortable, uh, and it helps with longevity. You're not getting banged up as much. You you know you're shooting shots you're comfortable with. Okay, when you look at the years in Memphis, when you really start to kind of you know break out, like it took a couple of years, but I was going through it. Like one year, Rudy Gay would lead the team in shots, and then it might be Zach. And then it might be you third, and then Gasol would lead the team in shots, and then you'd be second or something. And so the point I'm getting at here is that it was it was a different team offensively because Gasol could could control the offense himself, and you could cut off of him as a great passing center. Zach had his way, Rudy had his way, but it wasn't like you were playing with a Donovan Mitchell or an Anthony Edwards, where it's like I'm a point guard, but I've got to make sure I understand how to play off the ball, which you've obviously always been able to do. So in those years in Memphis when it's really kind of on you where the set, you know, is, is called through you, how different is that from what you're going to be doing with Edwards and what you were doing with Mitchell in Utah? Um, well, I think, like you said, the biggest difference is, you know, with the teams with Mark and Zach and Rudy, uh, Rudy Gay, you know, I initiated majority of everything. You know, I was a guy bringing the ball up the court. Guys got rebounds. They outletted it to me and I was pushing, you know, just, always had the ball in my hand and um so with that you have a lot of control you have you know your confidence built up off of that being able to get guys in position to to be successful then when you move on to like donovan mitchell or or anthony edwards um these guys also get the outlets they also run the floor and push the tempo and and get in the sets and run pick and rolls and and from that standpoint i had to get used to like hey i might have to run to the corner and just spot up like for four or five plays in a row uh, when I'm used to probably having the ball all five of those plays initially, you know, four or five years prior, but um, you know, now it's just trying to adjust to that and be able to, you know, when I'm, when I'm that guy, I got to be a knockdown shooter, got to be able to make plays uh, off the ball. And then when I do have the ball uh, understanding where my guys are like, Ant and you know, when cat gets back, Rudy and, you know, TP, all these guys who can shoot and, um, and make plays. So, when I would watch the Utah stuff, like the thing that I did appreciate about you, like I think I think it's more of a mentality of than just understanding basketball where you have to go, okay, I've had the ball pretty much my entire career, but that's not going to happen with Mitchell. And then when you guys got Clarkson, like, you know, not that the overlap, I mean, he was, he was almost like the prime example of the second unit guy, get out of the way. Right. But did you have to sometimes go like, all right, well, if I, because I remember with Utah, like if Donovan got cut off, you would curl back to him. But then you're thinking like, I can't do this every time and bring another defender over because I also am a really good shooter from the outside. I just wonder if there's ever like a level where you go, how do I get to my comfort level? How do I get to my comfort level knowing that I'm doing the right thing all the time? Well, I'm not also taking away from somebody like Mitchell, who's so filthy as an individual player. Right. No, that's, that's a great question because, you know, there's, there's a level of sacrifice that you have to kind of, you know, deal with there where, um, you know, your best player, Donovan's, the ants, these guys, they're going to have the ball and they're going to make plays. Um, but you got to understand you can't let yourself get lost within the game because when you do make the right decisions and the right plays, mo- the majority of the time, a lot of that, a lot of that time it doesn't mean you're going to end up with the ball or end up with the shot, uh, end up with, you know, the statistics and stuff like that. So you get, you can get drowned out and lost in lost in games, and uh, that that happened to me, you know, a lot in Utah. It's happened to me even here a couple times early on in the season, uh, early on the you know my tenure here in Minnesota, uh, where I just I you know I go without shooting a ball the first three 
three quarters and all of a sudden it's the fourth quarter and I'm, now I'm trying to be aggressive and it's like it's, you're, you're out of rhythm. So um, the balance of that is important and uh, and it's still, you know, it's ongoing for me trying to figure that out, but trying to get better and better at it. I know how they're the same, uh, but, you know, you haven't played with Edwards a ton here in comparison to Mitchell, but how are they different as players? Oh, man. Um, you know, they really have a lot in common. I think their personalities are a little different and is a little bit more, more uh, I don't know what you want to call it, outgoing. I don't know what, what, what you would call that. It just speaks his mind at you know, any moment, any time. Um, you know, they both are super, super athletic. Uh, Ant, to me, I think is probably one of the better defensive guards I've seen that goes, that can play on in the offensive end. Not saying Donovan couldn't guard like like he can, but I think Ant is probably one of those those handful of guys I think that uh, can do both, and that's impressive to me uh, at a young age that he that he has that you know takes that challenge. And I used to get on Don about it too because he's capable of doing it too. So. Um, but you know, he's, he's a special talent and, and, uh, and what he's capable of, capable of bringing to a team like Minnesota is, uh, invaluable. I want to get to some of the other guys with Minnesota here, but I'll, I'll finish on the Utah thing because I think you made a, a very, uh, you, you were, you were smart in your selection of the description about Mitchell defensively. Cause I think some of us that watched that Dallas series last year would go, all right, maybe he turned it, turned it down a bit there on the defensive intensity. Uh, did you know, especially off after the Clippers series the previous year and then the Dallas series, did you think, okay, this group's run is over in Utah? Um, it had crossed my mind, you know, I'm not going to lie, because it was, it had come to a point where, um, it was kind of like the, the PTSD had sunk in, you know, of us getting to the same point, um, losing in a similar fashion against a team that's similar um, the team that switches everything and, you know, just falling short of a mark that we all felt that we could, we could, we could reach. And, um, and each year seemed like it was just a different reason. One year we had injuries, the other year, you know, we just didn't have it. Uh, bubble year was different. I mean, like we just had different, different scenarios, but, uh, that end of that, end of that series in Dallas, it just felt like the wind was taken out of, you know, pretty much everybody. And, um, at that point you just didn't know what was going to happen in the summer. How important are those years with Rudy in Utah for you trying to get the most out of him and having everybody understand what he needs in Minnesota? Um, for for the Timberwolves, it's, it's huge for, for me to be able to bring the you know the knowledge I have of having had him as a teammate for the last few years, and because for me it started off slow um, in our relationship as far as on the court because I wasn't used to playing with a guy, you know, of his talent of, you know, above the rim and, you know, screen setter, get you open kind of deal. Um, I was always used to hitting the big in the pocket and, you know, cutting off of them. And so it took me a minute to understand what I could do to make him better and make myself better. And uh, for us to have that two, three years together uh, where we got to develop a chemistry to where we're literally not even, you know, speaking, you know, on terms of, during a play, I'll just like make eye contact or like look a certain way and he'll flip a screen and, and he'll know to set the screen. And the next time I'll tell him to slip the screen and just like, you know, different ways of us communicating um, and being able to bring that to this team who who's trying to get the most out of them um, and, and get the guy that, you know, they traded for, quite frankly. So, um, you know, just hopefully, hopefully I continue to help him. 
can you help us understand it then on a higher level of basketball stuff where the the screen numbers for him over those years, like to actually see how often this guy is trying to find a way, uh, knowing that he's behind you defensively all the time. Like I spent some time at the beginning of the podcast looking at some of the declining stuff. We know he's having a better month. Unfortunately for him, the trade stuff is always going to be attached to him because it was a big price. But what are those basketball things that maybe not everybody truly understands when you have him as an option as a teammate? Man, um, you know, honestly, like you said, the, the, his ability to screen and be his willingness to screen and, and do it over and over and over and over again, um, it says a lot. I mean, it says a lot about who he is as a person, like an unselfishness about him that he wants to get his guys open. He also wants to get opportunities himself, and he knows that this is the best way of doing it. And uh, he's become one of the better screeners in the game. And, uh, you know, there's going to be times where he doesn't touch the ball four or five trips down the court, but we'll get wide open opportunities because of his, you know, willingness to go set a screen roll. We don't like it. He comes back up again, sets another one, rolls again, and then we get something. And he's, you know, constantly doing that. And then you expect all things you expect from him on the defensive end as well, um, which is completely just, you know, covering up for everybody and making sure that um, he's in the right, right location and right spots. And, and he's really trying to get the most out of you as a defender as well while talking to you behind you. And, um, you know, he's really you know impressive in, in that aspect that he he truthfully just is selfless in, in the fact the way in, in the way he plays. OK, so you mentioned Ant's defense, which I I like like certain nights were, you know, even before you got there, I go, oh, damn, like he's he's taking this on. Uh, he wants to close. And, you know, sometimes the defensive rotations aren't about what the five are doing. It's the rotation of like who your assignment is. And I've seen him. But then you have Jaden McDaniels, who when you really <laughs> dig into this stuff, you're like, whoa, um, where is Jaden as a defensive guy on the perimeter in comparison to some of the studs you played with in Memphis? Oh, man, uh, I I honestly I tried to compare him to some of those guys in Memphis, but he's different in a lot of ways. He's unique. Uh, he's like a mix between like Tony Allen and Tayshawn Prince. The Tayshawn Prince was, you know, the long uh, defender and Tony was the bull gets through everything and, you know, does all that. And he kind of like has that mentality to do both. Uh, picks you up at, you know, literally when you get over half court, doesn't matter who you are and he'll get through screens, he'll contest, he'll guard you in the post. Like, um, he's so versatile and, and doesn't say a word. Like he just does it and goes about his business and, and, uh, and, and plays as hard as he can. And that's, it's just, I mean, he's one of the better defenders in the league right now at his young age. It's a good week or a bad week away from being like a six seed or, or sitting at home watching, uh, in the West and you get towns back and we already, you know, mentioned Edwards likely to come back, uh, on Wednesday here. What's the anticipation for for fitting Towns into what's a different team from the one he left in November? Um, well, we expect Cat uh, to be Cat, obviously, and uh, we need him. We need him bad, and you know he provides something that you know not a lot of teams have. And uh, quite frankly, for me, we've had so many guys in and out of lineups since I've been here um, that this is just like another another week for me where I'm playing with a whole new set of guys and um, getting to, getting to learn people. So. You know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a, a, a good situation for us to have him back. I don't think it'll make us, you know, overthink too much about how we're going to implement him and 
in certain situations. I think he's going to do what he does and uh, help us the best he can. Yeah, I always feel like there's there's real value in kind of being over yourself as an NBA player. Like everybody kind of wants the same things in the beginning, especially a high lottery pick. It's like, all right, I kind of want to win, but I also want to see where my second contract's at. Right. You know, and and you go, which is totally understandable. And I don't really blame anybody for having that feeling. But do you? I don't even know if you could share this stuff with us. But do you have moments where? You know, you'll talk to an Anthony Edwards and, and try to be like, hey, this is the stuff that's important. Although I think that kid plays with so much intensity and energy. Like, I'm never worried about his mentality, like, ever. Right. I love him. Um, but with the Towns, and, you know, Gobert's been around a little bit longer, but there's also some other young positional guys, like, trying to figure out what their NBA future is. But knowing, like, for two weeks, it's all about sacrifice. Like, can you have those conversations or do you feel like you're just, even though you're only 34, they look at you like you're 100? <laughs> <laughs> I, I might as well be 100 when they look at me. But, um, yeah, I mean, those conversations are, are easy to have, you know, especially coming from, you know, a guy like me, a 16th year and um, have seen a lot, been through a lot in my own uh, career. But, you know, this time of the year, and for me, mostly all the years like this, but especially this time of year is is a, is a is a time of year where you look back and you say, hey, our averages, they're not going to change at all. Like you could go score 30 the next three weeks and it, you're probably going to go up two points or whatever. Like, don't be worried about statistics. Don't be worried about, you know, the money and all these things like, bro, like go out here and let's sacrifice for each other. Let's try to win. Let's try to do what we can do to, to get as far as we can to achieve any goal that we're trying to achieve. Because at the end of the day, as you know, when teams win, you know, those winning, them winning units, doesn't matter if you're the main guy or the 10th guy or whatever, like everybody gets looked at in a different light. Um, you get more opportunities going forward and your future is more is brighter, in my opinion. So um, however we can position ourselves to be in a winning situation, uh, you know, that's things we have to sacrifice for. Okay, I'm going to expose myself a bit here um, because, you know, I've, I've had Finch on in NBA circles when he got the gig. Uh, there were a few people that reached out that were like, you know what, you may not know much about him, but he he does actually really know what he's doing, which would seem weird that you could be a head coach of one of these 30 teams and not have any clue, but I'm not going to ask ask anyone to name names here. Uh, so, you know, again, you've just gotten there, but what is it that Finch does? Like, what's your favorite thing about him as a head coach? Uh, I think number one right now is his ability to just like, rip into any guy that makes mistakes like it, it's it's kind of a lost art nowadays you know all the coaches want to be friendly and they kind of have to players kind of run the league whatever and um but i've heard him go at ant more than anybody i've you know anybody on the team like i'm i'm like looking at coach like hey, you might want to you know, like calm it down a couple you know go down a couple levels like you know that's that's anthony edwards we're talking about but um no, he he really just wants the most out of everybody, and he's not afraid to um, say anything to me, to to Rudy, to Ant, to Cat, like uh, in front of everybody, and and that's that's a talent, you know. A lot, a lot of people can 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 grasp a room like that. Edward seems cool with it though, which is kind of rare for a young dude. That's like I'm gonna have my own sneaker deal here soon. <laughs> yeah, no, that it says a lot about Ant, you know. Yeah. And, and could easily be the other guy, you know, the guy that's like, nah, no, I'm, I'm not with this. Like, send me somewhere else, or like, I don't give me a new coach or something. Like, no, nah, he's, he's like, all right, coach, I got you. Like, I got you next time. My bad, you know. So like, 
it helps to have those kind of players to 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 be coachable and and, and have a coach like Finch. Do you want to, as we close here, tell us who you think the MVP should be? Oh wow, um, I love Jokic, but I've the two times I played against Joel this year, I think he's almost gotten he got sixty the first time we played him in Philly, um, and then he did similar to us here in Minnesota. I think he didn't even have to play in the fourth quarter, but had like 40. So, I mean, like I haven't seen anybody dominate as, as you know, be as dominant as him uh, with my own two eyes uh, this season. He's been doing it a while. I think Joel has, a, I think a real chance to, to, you know, be there, get it. Okay. Last thing for you. Uh, there's, there's a contract decision here, right? We're talking partial guarantee or full they could just pick it up like where are you at with this for the first time in a while where you know i mean we'll see how the run goes that probably play into it a little bit as well you've had four 20 point games i think five this season four with minnesota uh you've had to crank it up because of just the opportunities with other injuries out there but but where are you i know you probably i know already know your answer mike so you're gonna say like hey we're trying to get in the playoffs i don't care about any of this <laughs> stuff but i imagine in private moments it creeps in your head like wondering where you're at right now at this point of your career Oh, of course. Of course. Um, you know, can't, can't shy away from it at this point. Like next year is, I don't know what'll happen, but all I can't control right now is what we do and how we finish. If we do well, I'm sure, uh, decisions will be easier, you know, um, you know, be a little bit more straightforward and understanding, but, uh, we'll just have to, we'll just have to see. I knew, I knew signing this deal in Utah that, you know, this, this year coming up would happen, whether it was in Utah, Minnesota or elsewhere. And, and the decisions were going to have to be made. So I'll be prepared either way. Um, and just excited to still be playing at, you know, year 17. I know the crazy thing is, is that once Utah had moved on from Gobert and then Mitchell, we're like, well, what's up with Conley? And then it's like, oh, they're good still. So what's going on? And then, you know, I could make some simple thing like it must be nice to be, you know, playing in Minnesota, but but Utah's right there with them. So I, I lied to you a little bit. I'm not entirely done. What is it about this Utah crew that finds a way to win way more games than anybody outside of that building thought they would? Oh, man. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with Will Hardy. You know, first off, uh, great coach, just really gets the most out of his guys and um, his ability to, to, you know, give everybody confidence, I think, throughout that building has allowed, you know, Lowry and Walker and, you know, Ochai and Colin. There's all the, all the young guys to really feel at home. Um, we know Jordan Clarkson is going to do what he does, but just, you know, you mix in the vets of Kelly Olenek. I mean, you just got like a good mix of, of talent from young to old. And uh, when you get a good coach around that and, and you know, a good environment, Utah is one of the better places to play as far as home home court advantages are concerned and i mean it's an exciting venue so you know they're going to go out there and they're going to play hard every night they don't care who you are um i can speak to that because i was a part of it so um it's a they're just a good group of dudes i can't wait to see everybody back and and see this team put it together uh, because i do think there is a lot of talent on this team but man you wake up every day and look at the standings and you're like where are what happened and <laughs> it's it's not there are gonna be a tough couple teams left out going how did that happen but uh right. it's been fun man it's 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 an awesome career to watch and i'm really looking forward to seeing how this thing closes out i appreciate it thank you for having me again ryan i'll see you uh, hopefully again next time
This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate? Hate is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season. Throw in a little something extra, an appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Sarah Walsh, good friend, former colleague, NFL Network, joins us now. Also, good morning football. The last, I don't know, a couple, what'd you do it like? More than a week? Uh, I did it a week and then I flew home and then flew back and I just did it Monday, but I did it this whole free agency frenzy week. Let's just go back to the to the top, right off the top. Good friend, such a good friend that again, you haven't spoken to me until I come on this podcast. Like you don't reach out and ask me to, to come on the show. We have to go through your assistant. Even this morning, I called you. I called you earlier today. No response. I mean, I don't talk to you unless I'm on this podcast. So all untrue. I mean, we've covered this before, but not untrue. Now that we have uh, Allison, who's been booking for the show for over a year, I have to worry about what she's asking for. So I'll be like, well, then you reach out so you can coordinate it according to your schedule because we have another taping today. So that's why I do it that way. I mean, I call you more than you call me because I don't have as much going on. I don't have a family. So Mm. uh, I don't think this is fair. I don't like the characterization. I think we're off to a bad start. Right. I was going to say right off the gate, this thing is nosedive. Get us. You know what a true professional does, Ryan? Gets us back on track. Go ahead. Women's History Month. Your favorite (laughs) moments. Go. Of Women's History Month. Just um, women I've worked with. How How long do we have? How long do we have for this podcast? How long is my segment here? I don't know that we can cover it all adequately. Uh, it's fair. I actually do want to start with Aaron Rodgers week, which is yeah. now weeks. Because yeah. what I love is that it's actually not done. Um, yeah. So when everybody thought it was done, and he was going to the Jets. What's that show like? What? Because I'm going to get your thoughts on it, how it relates to Brady and, and the Bucks and a team that you're very close to. But in that seat on that show for the Rodgers part of it, which is a big amount of drama for yeah. the NFL offseason. What's that job like during that? So time? here's what I love about this show. Um, on previous shows that I've been on, and really almost every show I've been on, there's it, there's such a time constriction on TV, right? You have to get this many topics in. You have one minute, then they're in your ear. Wrap it up. What's awesome about Good Morning Football, and I didn't really realize this until I did it, is they'll pretty much go one topic for the entire A block in TV lingo. That's like the first, the first thing you're coming out and doing. And it can be like 10, 15 uh, minutes. I've been on TV. Well, I know that, but I don't, I'm not assuming that all of your podcast listeners, because you have so many, as you've, as you told me, I'm not assuming they all understand like A block lingo. So they'll give you 15 minutes to do one topic. And that's, that's a lot in, in the TV world. Uh, that's a lot. And so but I can tell you this week was sort of like, okay, we're going to go Aaron Rodgers out of the gate. And then, you know, you build these shows and there's all these different topics and weigh in. What do you want for this segment? And it was always like, there was a caveat all week, by the way, if Aaron Rodgers news happens, everything's blown to bits. Like it's just going to be Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, It was one of those things where after two days, I was like, I can't talk about this anymore because you know what it was? It was so much of, 
going to like our insiders, what's the latest? And nothing was happening. And it was one of those stories where you knew it was happening. You knew that it was, it, it was like out there and it was sort of like put us out of our misery and like just end this thing. Right. Which he finally did when he went on that McAfee show. But to your point, I think that even myself incorrectly was like, okay, this is cool. Like nice, neat little bow on it. The next day we're going to do sort of this postmortem on like his time in Green Bay. And now here's what we got on the Jets. I didn't think in that moment, in that first show back after he said he was leaving, that this could drag. This could drag for a while. It could also get ugly because, and I was talking to somebody that's that's a front office kind of guy. And he said, like, the Packers are under no constraints right now to make this happen immediately. And so really, and I was thinking, like, when you when you talk about, like, who's got the leverage, I was thinking originally, like, well, the Jets would have the leverage on this deal because now it's already done. The Packers have moved on. Like, you got to get them there. You got to get something for it. And I'm thinking they want to clear all this money off the books so that they can spend it. But the reality is, is the Packers aren't ever really huge in free agency. Like, that's just not how they do business. And then the idea that, it's under the Jets. I mean, the Jets need, this is this is their quarterback. Like the Jets need him there. They need to start working with him. Their, the backup plan is Aaron Rodgers. A, B, C, D, E, F. I mean, it's all Aaron Rodgers. So like they have to get him here. So then I was thinking, oh my gosh, so it's really the Packers and they're under no, the way it was explained to me, it's like, I mean, they can wait. They can wait until June if they want, if they want to say, hey, we don't like this deal, which is crazy because again, it was such a rampant, like what's happening with Aaron Rodgers, right? And then it happened. And you're like, okay, we're done. It's not done. I mean, I think it will get done, but I think this thing could really drag out. I kind of love the latest from this um, because, <laughs> I mean, it probably still works out because it has to work out. It like, has to, yeah. Like if I'm, I'm more on the Packers side of this thing, okay, where I get how great Rodgers is and how important he is, but for this to go on multiple seasons, where you kind of want to fuck with us and you hold the franchise kind of hostage and you're really thinking about yourself more than you're thinking about the team part of it, which is okay, I think, in some instances. Like when a guy wants to hold out and he wants to get a new contract, like for the most part, I'm like, hey, I get it, that's fine. But when you're the quarterback and you've already gotten the contract and everything's fine and you're, you're mad about certain personnel things. And I've said this before. He was never, he was never specific enough about his plight for me to then take his side. He clearly likes all of the attention because if he had wanted all the speculation to be done with that, he blasts once he goes on with McAfee, he like rips everybody in the media, but it's like, yeah, but you clearly like this because if you didn't, you could have just stopped it. But then when he said, okay, the Jets thing is good to go, all these plugged-in people are saying this is done, but the actual transaction isn't completed, I would think it was great. I'd, I'd admire the Packers for going, okay, well, cool. The thing is, is we actually haven't agreed to the compensation yet, but yep. since you've gone out and said that all this is going to happen, we're going to make sure we get every last penny. And if it mm-hmm. screws up your plans, just like you've screwed up our plans, what do we care if it screws up? We don't care about the Jets. You think we care about the Jets? So now that everybody's made it all public and you've made your decision and you're not going to retire and you said you're going to go there and we haven't gotten what we want out of it yet, maybe we will just wait around and make this more annoying like you've made it for us. I don't know if I'm being dramatic about it, but that's the way it feels. And I love it. No. Um, there, so there's two things, right? As, as members of the media, we love transparency, right? Like the, the McAfee stuff is must see TV or streaming or whatever you call it. Um, and so you love the transparency. You love, here's what I like about Aaron Rodgers. 
he would just sit and and talk to the media. I remember being in um, when I had Green Bay games or had to do something with him, and then you would be in on the local his his local weekly thing with the media there in Green Bay. He more so than other quarterbacks, and certainly more so than other quarterbacks of his stature. I mean, Tom Brady's press conferences in Tampa were really short, short, sweet, ten minutes maybe every every Thursday. Aaron will sit there and talk, and he'll give you opinions on everything, whether you like him, don't like him, whatever. So you love the transparency. However, if you're going to sit there and rip the Packers, whether you think it's deservedly so or not, which he clearly does, and I don't have a problem with his opinion of this is why I think, you know, I, I haven't lived his life, right? Like, I don't I don't know, you know, where he feels like he was wrong by them. But you can put all that out there. But to your point, you are then beholden to them because you are still a Green Bay Packer and you're a Green Bay Packer until they decide you're not. So I think we love this idea of like, let's go burn it down or let's go say my piece and here's my side of the story and I'm not the one that's holding this up. That's all fine. The only problem with that though is, and I and I think, like I said, I was also, um, like I was wrong in thinking that, okay, he said it, so it has to be done. And to your point, like it doesn't have to be done. And you don't know, we don't know how somebody is sitting up in a Green Bay office taking that and being like either, hey, that's not how we think it happened. Hey, I'm annoyed with this guy. But what we do know is that they hold the keys to him going to New York, right? I mean, they they have all the cards now. And so all I know is if I'm going somewhere else, like Maybe after the fact, maybe it's wrapped up. Maybe it's the the show after I've I've done my holding up the Jets jersey thing. But I think he could be in like an awkward situation right now of of they don't have to do anything. They don't have to do anything. And I didn't realize that because I was thinking that they wanted to like go spend this money that they weren't going to have to spend on Aaron Rodgers. And that's not the case. And so I'm with you. I think that um, I remember Kyle was saying on that Monday of this free agency period, Bramp. It was like the Packers at some point are going to have to say, why? Why are you moving on from a guy that, you know, has been this MVP and, and he's a known commodity? He's always, at some point, the Packers will answer to that. But at the same time, I think there's an exhaustion factor of every year doing this thing. I also thought like one of the most interesting things that I thought about when he he, he did his whole thing is how he was 90% retired. It was just going to be done. But then you heard that they were also going to be done. And it was like, you know what it felt like? It felt like the... I'm going to break up with you before you break up with me. Right. And, and everyone's kind of been there in, in middle school or whatever. Um, although I think when you get older, don't you want to be, I always, I would rather, I never want to have the conversation. Right. So I kind of want somebody else to do it. Like I would rather get dumped when you're older, tougher conversations, I feel like, but it felt like that. Um, I don't know where you stand on that, Ryan. That's a whole other. Oh, um, no, no, no. I've, I've had ones where I'm like, I hope I get dumped here soon. Yeah, right. right. Uh, I feel like this is maybe B-block, B-block segment, but it could be really strong uh, for you. Uh, yeah, I, but maybe it July, felt like that, A-block. right? Yeah, A-block uh, in July. It, it definitely felt like that, though, right? Like, wait, you were going to be retired, and now you're all in if it's somewhere else. So I think this thing's going to drag. I think this thing could get per- potentially like messier than... It, or I don't even know, messier than it already is, uh, because it's, it's kind of messy. I mean, it's a, it's a divorce. All right. I have another question as it relates to Brady. And that is just, you know, you being around it kind of day to day covering the Bucks now. It, it's not even close to being the same as this, but you could make some parallels in that it's, you know, some of the highest profile dudes in sports in yep. Rogers and Brady two of the great success stories, the position and 
you know, the importance to their franchise, but then also that partnership where, you know, Raj has been in the relationship longer and then he wanted to move on. Brady had already moved on. Everything works out. He wins the Super Bowl. So I, I can't imagine the dynamic was even close for, for how they felt about the relationship. But what was it like maybe during that window of uncertainty, both last year and then ultimately this year when it looks like Brady actually is done done versus retiring and coming back last year? What is that like for the franchise kind of sifting through realizing, okay, we're turning the page here and may, we may not have a plan. I mean, even if the Packers think they have a plan in Jordan Love, it's not it's not the best plan. Maybe it works out to be the best plan. Tampa had some backup, but you just, I'm asking you kind of a, a big, big question here. And I just want you to kind of take in any direction you want to go in. Um, okay, well, so I would say that they clearly, when Brady retired the first time, obviously the Bucks felt, and they wouldn't have said this at the time, that that window wasn't completely closed. Right. They I remember going to the combine and there was the famous Jason Light, their GM's line about we'd always leave the light on. And it never felt like they were moving on. The Packers feel differently, I think, about Jordan Love than they feel about than the Bucks feel about Kyle Trask. The Bucks are different than the Jets for multiple reasons in the sense of the media market. They they're not gonna have this the Jets are gonna have far more scrutiny. I think Aaron Rodgers is more polarizing than Tom Brady. I mean, I think people people hated Brady because he was good. Like that's the worst somebody could say about Brady, right? Like we there's that commercial, and I thought it was so great that Brady did, you know, where um I forget what the commercial was for, but the guy in Boston was like, We hate you. And Brady's like, but you'd take me back. And he's like, Yeah, we would. Like people that hated Brady, they hated Brady because he's good. I think Aaron's polarizing in a completely different way. I think that first year that Brady stepped away, the Bucks never moved on. And if he didn't come back, I don't know what they would have done because clearly behind the scenes, there was always that window of, we feel like we're going to get him back. And they did. And I think at that point, people here were just so happy they had Tom Brady. Point blank, end of story. They immediately were like, we're Super Bowl contenders. They were, they won it. They could have almost gone back the year after if Cooper Cup doesn't make two amazing plays with Matthew Stafford and they sort of got the Bucs secondary on those two plays at the end and they kick a game-winning field goal. That could have been the Bucs instead hosting the conference championship back in Tampa. They could have been back in the Super Bowl. So that was a good season. Last season was a bad season. This year, I sort of feel like this year they, they knew that Brady meant it. Um, and, and Jason Light has joked about it, uh, like we'd leave a desk lamp on for him, but they knew, they knew that he was really done. And I feel like they thought getting him even one more year, which they did last year was a lot and like win for Tampa, win for ticket sales, win for what this franchise did. And they were okay mortgaging everything to make it happen. And I think they are confident in the fact that if they're not good and and people want to take shots at them right now and go, okay, well, you mortgaged everything. And look, now you're paying the piper. And they're like, yeah, we're cool with that. We won a Super Bowl. Like, that's what we did. We put all our chips in and it worked out for us. We won. And so I think it's I think it's really different. I think the the pressure system in New York is going to be completely different. And that being said, there was tons of pressure on Brady and the Bucs to win because they were expected to. That's a really, that's also an, a crazy, insane, difficult division. I mean, Brady and those guys went into the playoffs last year and they lost the division. Mean, I'm sorry, they won the division. They had a losing record. So completely different division. So Aaron Rodgers is going to a division that they may be the third best team in that division. I think you can argue that they're the third best team in that division. So I, I just think it's a different set of expectations. I think it's a different, and it'll be interesting to see how Aaron Rodgers handles that because I don't think the New York media is is the Green Bay media, right? I mean, there's going to... And I also find it really interesting 
when he talks about being like Zen and he goes into these dark places, he clearly reads everything and sees everything because he, he like responds to it. And so, um, are you questioning the darkness? Well, no, I'm not questioning that there is darkness, but I feel like if I was doing all those things, and I also feel like if I got to the level of success that he was, I wouldn't be like, oh, uh, Mike Smith from the, you know, Daily News said that I, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, I'm I'm one of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. You know what I mean? I I think that level comes with, you know, a situation where you kind of just, what do you care what people say? I don't know. But he, he cares. He, I mean, he, he definitely cares. cares. He's, like, he's he, reading it. You know what I mean? He's reading everything. Well, he may have read it when he got out or, you know, <laughs> covered it that way. I used to have the same rule. Like, I remember arguing with Van Pelt about like, certain thing i'd be like why would you even argue with that guy about it right yes. not that i'm perfect and then you know after it was actually one of the Rosillo book club books i gave you the first game change book and it talked about how the obama administration would like call cnn about something they said and then of course after four years of trump you realize like the only thing he wanted to do was see how people were talking about him so i'm like if both presidents who cover as wide a spectrum of the political ideology scale as you could possibly imagine if yeah. they were obsessed with what was being said about him day to day then I'm never going to be surprised when the greatest, one of the greatest quarterbacks, when one of the biggest people in media, like I'm never going to be surprised when people are, I don't know, I don't, I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't go, okay, I'm a Hall of Fame quarterback. I have this massive decision, but then let me also take a swipe at every single NFL reporter that was on it. Like clearly he doesn't like Schefter. I get it. Fine. No big deal. I thought he went at Rossini in a really really aggressive way that was lame. Like first he pretends she doesn't, he doesn't know who she is, which isn't true. Cause then he named her. And then he was like, you know, she used a list of demands and then he admitted that he wanted certain players on the roster. If he were going to come there. So then it was really, it's not even that the report is wrong. You're arguing semantics. Semantics, maybe, but right. I so I don't this. know. It just seems like a massive waste of time. Like just get out there and play some fucking football. Cause I still think he has some great football in him, despite how bad last year was. And that's the part where I separate the two. And again, I've already talked about this. So I'm just going to shut the fuck up. I'm sick of talking about it. Um, well, I think there's two things. It is. I think it was the visual that people had of that. He typed up, um, a list like my here jets here's your to-do list and like handed it over right There's right but it was but, it was like vogue magazine and it was cut up with different letters like a ransom note being like randall cobb and it was because different. when that it's report like, no came one, out that's right. what i'm picturing like okay you want to bring me here here's my list uh who do i email this to now all of us are you're insane to think if they are pursuing aaron Rodgers that they don't go who would you want give us a what of course they would ask that whether he would demand it or not. You know what I mean? You don't think that Tom Brady was like, I'd like this guy and this guy and this guy. Can you make this happen? Any, any, any job when you're at the highest level, like that's obvious. I'm with you that it is on semantics, but did you not have the vision of here's my list? I'm handing it over to you guys. And I don't, it probably to his, well, at least he's saying it didn't happen that way, but did they ask him? Of course they asked him. Um, you know, like it's anything though, when you are, so that story, when it was existing in this vacuum of no one saying anything, you know, people are jumping on every little thing that's coming out. Do I think that he was like, yeah, I'd like Alan Lazard. Do you think that they would run by Alan Lazard, like by him? Of course. Like, um, is it typed up in the manner and like, that's what it seems like he was angry about? No. I, I, well, according to him, no. But so I guess um, 
I don't know. I always take a step back and I'm like things that people get like so bent out of shape about like that wish list. Like part of me is like, well, of course there, there would, there'd be a conversation about it. Like that's like a no brainer. Um, I I can't do it anymore. I'm stopping myself. I'm stopping myself because I want to ask about Baker Mayfield, your latest Tampa Bay Buccaneer uh, quarterback. So Kyle Trask. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Here's why I love it. Because I'm always like, just be interesting. And, and I, I, you know, as soon as you say no offense to so-and-so, you're about to say something offensive. So I'm not going to pretend that it's not. People weren't like fired up about Kyle Trask. We haven't seen Kyle Trask. He's got all of three completions to his NFL career. Now there, there was definitely this narrative of after Tom Brady, are you really going to go with Kyle Trask? And I'm like, well, at some point, it's, I feel like a little bit he's been written off with with zero chances to prove himself. And there's you're not going to follow Tom Brady up with anyone, which I actually think plays in, in Baker's favor, right? There's not a single person you're going to bring in here that you're going to be like, well, you know, comparisons to Brady. Everyone, even the most irrational people out there on social media know that that's an unfair comparison and that's ridiculous. So he sort of has that pressure off of him. And then you know, like Baker's going to talk, Baker's going to be whatever your feelings are on Baker. He's going to be interesting. Um, and so for me, I was like, heck yeah, like let's get something like interesting down here. Um, it makes it, there's like a quarterback battle. I mean, I don't know how much of a battle people really think it is, but you know, I think they're going to give Kyle Trask a chance, but I'd be very surprised if Baker Mayfield's not the starting quarterback week one. And then if I'm Baker, I would want to come here because that division is not, you know, there's no team that's a slam dunk in that division. I mean, it was a division that everyone had losing records in a season ago. And I know that Carr goes to the Saints and everyone's like, oh, Saints immediately front runners. They're front runners in terms of the quarterback that's had the most success, the quarterback that has the best numbers. But we have no idea what's happening over in Carolina. I mean, I know they have Andy Dahl. We don't know who they're drafting. Um, there could be like a stud franchise quarterback for years to come in Carolina, which is obviously what the Panthers hope. Atlanta, I mean, they're going to go with Desmond Ritter. I mean, this is a this is a division that is truly, truly up for grabs. So if I'm Baker and I want to reestablish myself and, and put these last couple of years behind me, he's got a chance, a better than great chance at winning the starting job. He could potentially, he's, he can compete for this division. So I love it for all angles. The Bucks didn't have money to spend. What are they going to do? Um, I'm also told behind the scenes, like this is a guy that they had interest in for a while. Um, I think he was potentially on their list prior to securing Tom Brady coming back. So I think it's great. I think it's interesting. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and that they're going to be, you know, seven and two to start this year. Certainly Um, there's massive holes. Their offensive line is a huge issue, but I think that they just found a way to make Tampa interesting, not at the level of Tom Brady, but no one's going to do that. So I I love it. Do you have any questions for me? Um, So many. When are we going on the boat? Um, what else? What, you're on the vineyard right now? What are we doing? Yeah, I leave tonight. I'll be back in LA tonight. I, I like it. that. Um, made it almost three weeks. Yes, yeah, it's a long time. Harsh winter conditions there. You ready to get back to LA? Yeah, you know, I haven't gotten soft. I'm soft for other reasons, but I, I'm not one of those dudes who moves to LA and then I go home and I'm like, oh my God, it's so cold here. Yeah. You know, you know where you've gotten don't... softer? And I like this about you. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I was in LA recently for... A so- uh, to do a soccer game and I made Ryan go to dinner with me because I had a red eye and I'm like, well, I could sit at LAX or I could make Ryan go out to dinner with me, come over to his place. He's got his multiple TVs up on the wall. And uh, I think who was, I don't I have no idea who you're watching, but it was going to go to overtime and I could see the 
the internal struggle of you not wanting to walk out the door to go to dinner. And I'm like, you can hit pause on that game. DVRs are a wonderful thing. They exist for a reason. You're going to dinner and we had a great dinner, right? And, uh, but old Ryan, like you'd have a real hard time walking out and and older, softer, gentler Ryan appreciates his friendships and was like, we're going to go to dinner. Yeah, I mean, the friendship thing, the friendship tip, I don't know where I'd be like in the top 25, but it, we've had a few, we've had a few rough weeks. You know, I'd be like, wasn't that guy ranked sixth? Like he's the 18th now? Like what's going on? Like ah, a couple of tough road games. So uh, the fact that you were in town it was last minute. And then I, I am starting to do that a little bit more often. It's like, hey, this, because I feel like I moved to LA twice. I moved there, I was fired up, I was doing everything. And then COVID happened. And then I was way too comfortable not interacting with anyone because I'm pretty yeah. used to it. And, you know, people theorized that I was the most prepared mentally for COVID. Yep. And then I added like an extra year of COVID quarantine on when it was like, no, stuff's going on again. I was like, yeah, I'm just not ready. Uh, and I didn't even <laughs> think it was fear of fear of the virus. It was just... No, I, no, just fear was, of people. Right. Yeah. Like I brought my car in and they were like, how long have you had this? And I was like, two years. And they were like, you have 7,000 miles on it. And I was like, yep, kind of feel like I don't need it. Um, so anyway, the, the point is, is that when you were there, I'm, there's a real push. You're going to see a real friendship push out of this guy. I like uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a real friendship push. That's huge. That should have been the A block. It's big. You, the amount of friends I'm going to have out of nowhere, people are going to be like, you know who's a friendly dude? That guy. Uh, no one said that about you ever. Pretty good chance it's not going to happen, but yeah. that's what we're going into. Um, so yeah, when uh, you were around. I don't, like, what, I don't like quantity. I like quality. When you say there's going to be so many friends, I don't like I don't like no, quantity be, of friends. No, I'm just going to start saying that guy. Yeah, it's great, dude. I'm going to try to be like one of those connectors that just gives everybody each other their cell phone numbers. And then and then it's the worst because I've done that a few times. And I realized like there really wasn't anything in this other than this person just texting me all the time. Uh, I all of that the last five minutes is probably a lie. But the point to your night when you rolled in is that I went, hey, hit pause, yep. go to dinner, and then you can go right back home and watch yep. the end of this stuff. It there is the technology for it, as you pointed out. You're a big tech person. The world did not burn down. I, I mean, yep. I know you couldn't wait. I mean, just like a power walk home after the the check came, um, which I picked up. Just throwing that out there. Um, you know, despite your big <laughs> podcast money, um, but you like couldn't wait. I mean, it was like a power walk home, like because what happened to this game? I mean, I don't know if the podcast is going to be as good because Brian's watching it on delay. I didn't look at and my you phone. You know what? Everyone survived. I know. I didn't look at my phone because I wanted to. I wanted to feel it. You I were present. Yeah, it's a new so, Ryan. I like it. Yep, new me, still the same me. Okay. Uh, thank you, Sarah Walsh, NFL Network, and friend, tier one friend, one seat. Tier one. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Ryan. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, three fifty five Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice. Life advice, rr at gmail.com. Kyle, did you make it through uh, the first four days of the tournament? Yep. Strange, strange. I was in the office, just me, Tate, security guards, J. Kyle, man. I smoked a bunch of cigarettes. I'll just say that now. Uh, but... Um, uh, it, it worked. It worked. It was good, good fun. And uh, we'll do it again this weekend. Okay. All right. Um, how, how long had you gone without smoking? 
I smoked on Tate's birthday, but they're like few and far between. They're like, you know, one of my old guys is catches me outside, uh, you know, at the bar. Catch or you outside? Yeah, but like in a good way, you know what I mean? Just catching up outside, really, oh, okay. is what I'm doing Not here. Yeah, and uh, we'll just, you know, I'll, maybe I'll have one or something, but it's usually after a few brews. But uh, it's been, it's actually been really well. Never at home, um, you know, don't smell like cigarettes around the fiance. So that's been nice. Um, but uh, I did get home pretty late. Like, let me just change my shirt really quick. And I was, she, she knows that I've, I've backslid a few times, but I just, I don't like to telegraph it. So I wasn't, I wasn't super proud getting home at like midnight on those uh, tournament nights, but uh you know, it's not like I came home from a bar. It's just me coming home from the Spotify office, uh, smelling like a few uh, few heaters. So uh, I'm gonna I'm working on it. It's, a, it's it's only March, so you know April we'll get right back on track. Yeah, dart here, dart there. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, I like I the no home rule. That's a good rule because then, like you know, you can, if you just set boundaries for it, it's easier to follow. So that's a good call. Totally, totally. Yeah, right. I know. I th- I think that's. I I'm not. I'm I'm proud of you. So I I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not going to get on your case about any of that. You didn't. I really appreciate get, it. Yeah, you didn't get engaged to me. You know, <laughs> I mean, I again, in a in a weird way, I I sort of respect when I see a smoker outside. I never smoke, but I'll I'll see one at work just outside freezing his ass off. When I was back in New England, he'd be smoking. I'd be like, I think I even gave one guy a thumbs up. Like, fucking, <laughs> keep doing there's never guy. a place to stand anymore. There's no more benches. Yeah. You're like just it's, standing by a garbage can somewhere. It's like I guess yeah. this looks like the place. Because there was a guy in Bristol who just, he must have gone through a couple packs a day. Yeah. And he was just. Outsider Mike? No, no, it wasn't even. I didn't even think he could keep up with Outsider Mike. He was like, that guy smokes a lot. Um, He just was out there. I know the Deportes guys were not afraid of one. but uh, They're not afraid of anything, really. But yeah. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. (laughs) Fearless dudes. They're the base jumpers of of HR. (laughs) Telling the line. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what happened? Like, oh, that nah, departs. Not a big deal. Um, okay, let's get to a life advice. Again, life <laughs> okay. advice rr at gmail.com. Uh, all right, 366230, skinny fat for sure. Used to play rec league basketball, mean baseline jumper until my knee exploded five years ago. ACL, meniscus, the whole thing. Really into disc golf now. Love it. Getting pretty good at it. Low chance of getting seriously injured again. Yeah, I'd imagine that's a low impact sport. Uh, so I matched with a girl on Tinder a month ago. She only had a single picture uploaded. Is that bad? That seems bad. One, how many pictures are you allowed on Tinder? Anyone? Uh, I think a bunch. That's like a bad sign for any, like Zillow. One, one, one photo oh, of the yeah. house on Zillow. It's like, oh, nah, nah, something. This place doesn't even have floors. Oh my floors, God, Kyle. That is the best <laughs> comp ever. Like, it should who be goes, at least three. Yeah, right. Why is it just the front yard? So you got? Do you guys even own this place? You can't even get inside. Come on! No, I got a this price drop alert on this, and he only has the driveway with a fucking door. <laughs> Should we check it out? Yeah. Is it rustic? Google then like, Earth it, photos on here. Yeah. Right. What the hell's going on? The description is rustic piece of history. <laughs> <laughs> Don't miss out. Yeah. <laughs> Have you always wanted something in Rutland, Vermont that's not downtown? <laughs> mm, not really. Okay. All right. Uh, that Zillow one picture, Tinder one picture. She could this could this woman be a one story ranch in Rutland, Vermont on Tinder? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, so anyway, um, it was a pretty low quality picture, but she looked good on it. The conversation started off slow. I always try to be funny and get a reaction out of her when I texted. She always laughed, but took a day or two to reply. An early red flag. 
Sometimes, yeah. But sometimes you don't want to seem too eager either. But, you know, eventually the rule is kind of like, hey, if they're not texting you back multiple times within the day, uh, probably I don't like your chances, you know? Look, yeah. it's happened, it happens to all of us, right? So um, uh, I was almost giving up on it. And then she suggested we take the conversation uh, to another platform where it'd be easier to communicate. I agree. Um, so wait, is he saying that they started talking on Tinder and that's where they were texting? So he goes, we've been texting nonstop from there. So maybe that was the deal. She might not be on her app. If you're only talking to somebody through like a DM on Instagram and then you're like, oh, it's been a couple of days. Maybe it's actually awesome that they're not watching fucking videos all the time. And, on Instagram. And I think, I think likely with Tinder, what you usually do is not, not have your notifications on, you know? I've been around some dudes who had their notifications on and they have like the Tinder sound and it's just like all day we're just chilling out. It's just like bling, bling. It's like, oh, <laughs> match. Got to get on that. So I think uh, I think a lot of times you don't have your notifications on that. So you, you know, you kind of pick a time of day to check it, I think. So uh, that, that that does check out. It's the, it's the one picture thing I'm not on board with yet. All right. Okay. Getting some good tech updates here. This is like going to a conference. So we've been talking on top of this. So it appears that once they started texting, normal texting, it's been nonstop. The girl was great, had an instant connection. We exchanged phone numbers. Wait, what? I'm confused on that. Are you texting on WhatsApp or something? Because that would be strange now, too. Now that's, <laughs> that's a burning sun red flag. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where's she from? Peru? No, Delaware. But she... She wants to use WhatsApp. All right. We've changed phone strange numbers. Area code, though. <laughs> we, we have long talks daily. Found out she has two kids, a six-year-old six year twins. Not a problem for me. I have no kids of my own, but my previous girlfriend also had a kid. Got along great. I'm a bit like Kyle. Great with kids and pretty good at kissing. Nice. nice. Great way to be, son. <laughs> we had our problems getting our first date arranged, but we finally got together today. She hugged me right away. We went for a nice walk, watching the sunset. She seemed really into me. I couldn't believe it. She's way out of my league. The conversation was great, nice and fluid. But when she asked me about my previous relationship, she asked me if I'd ever live with anyone, how long my relationship had lasted, et cetera. This is, by the way, bullshit, okay? Like, I get it. She has kids. Usually when you're going to start dating somebody with kids, they are like, I don't want to fucking waste my time, which is totally reasonable. And I'm, you know, it's it's kind of cut to the chase with it. But I also think a little early on where it's like, hey, what are your re previous relationships like? Well, I'm a <laughs> fucking disaster to date. I've dated six girls in the last year and a half and every one of them stumped me. And, you know, you may see a, an arrest warrant, but that was bullshit. You know, like <sighs> nobody, nobody's going to start painting this awful picture of themselves immediately. Right. So I think sometimes the interrogation thing, there can be, hey, I have a plan. I don't want to waste my time you know, veering over onto the, the flow chart of, of, you know, what, what did you really think I was going to say here? So anyway, uh, she asked right. if you'd ever live with anybody. Cause that's her wondering, have you ever lived with anybody? Because I don't want to waste my time. Um, I told her I moved in with someone years ago and it didn't work out. I don't know why I lied. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, Dude, you can get away he, with this one. He said, I immediately panicked and lied. Uh, I guess I felt shame. The truth is I've never moved in with anyone. I got hurt really bad in my 20s. I've had problems trusting myself or anyone else since. My relationship history is pretty sad, but I've had a few, but I always end up finding a good reason to end it before it got too serious. All right, so you're on both ends of this. It's not only happening to you. Um, you're ending it too because you're probably afraid of whatever that next step is. Don't worry about it, bro. Been there. 
Um, I know we've only met once, but I really like this girl. This feels right. She's funny, gorgeous, and a generally nice person. I can already see a future with her. We started texting after today's date. She told me she wants to see me again soon. One thing led to another. And we're going canoeing tomorrow. Feels like a fairy tale, but dot, dot. Huh, only two dots. I've realized that. If this relationship does get serious, at some point, our previous relationships are going to become a topic again. Sounds like it. Sounds like it's fa- really. her favorite topic. Yeah. Um, you're right. Both of you are right, by the way. It doesn't mean you're going to have to keep bringing it up. It's kind of up to you to how much you want to bring it up. I might be able to be vague and deflect somewhat when I'm on my own, but at some point, she could be meeting my longtime friends and their girlfriends, that, and this cannot end well. How do I come out of this? I lied. I regretted it immediately. Do I tell her right away or try to prolong it somehow? By the way, Kyle, please thank Tate for ripping into Kerr. Krilsa? Oh, okay. There you go, Kyle. Okay. I'll yeah. let him know. <laughs> oh, wait, that that's that point guard. That's that point guard I don't like. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know him. The yep, Auburn I kids? Know. No, no, no. He's not. An, he's, he's one of the guards not from Auburn that I don't like. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that kid's game. Sorry. I know he's just a kid. Okay. Uh, you are <laughs> okay. massively, massively overreacting massively overreacting okay and maybe this isn't going to be super high on the approval rating things of what i'm about to say but nobody's fucking totally like 100 percent legitimately we've already covered this like transparent about every single thing that's happened in their dating past now you did lie about something specific that didn't really happen but what i would say to you is it's not like you told her you went to space where it's like she's going to be introducing you as a fucking astronaut. It's not the headline. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> she's not walking around going, well, he did say he lived with somebody six years ago. So uh, she's just trying to get as much dating history on you as you possibly can. Again, somebody that has kids, in my experience, that they're a little less likely to kind of, you know, go through the fuck around phase. Like, as soon as, like, I think the tolerant stuff is a little bit lower which is all understandable. I mean, yes, and I'm sure people can argue that the other side of it, or sometimes it's like, you know, whatever, I just want to have a good time. All right, so this can be avoided, and I think if you really do like this person and you think you're connecting and all this stuff, I'd actually advise you to not rock the boat here and go, hey, I need to step up, because then she's going to think that you're going to be lying about all sorts of other stuff. Now, if you are lying about all sorts of other stuff, you're going to get busted, and don't worry about it. She's going to dump you anyway. But if this is this one little slip up and it's not truly who you are and you just sort of panic, which is totally understandable because in the beginning of getting to know each other, shit is super awkward. Not saying that I think it's great to be lying about it, but it's not really that impactful of a lie. It doesn't mean it. She's not going to be introducing you this way. Um, Like I said, there are way worse things that you could have done. And I think what you need to do is get to a point where it's too late for her to dump you and then you can bring it up and go, hey. This this little thing, I just sort of panic. I don't even know why I said it. And if she gets to know you and truly likes you, then she'll probably even understand you and understand why you did it because it's not really that big of a deal. It doesn't change who you are. It's not going to change how you care about her. If you were, you know, lying about a job or graduating from a school or different accomplishment, uh, accomplishments or, or all sorts of different stuff, like, hey, I have this sick house, but it's not ready yet. It's being reconstructed. <laughs> You're living at home. Like, those are things that the bill's coming due at some point. This is something it does sound like, if you're being totally honest with us, that you just sort of like ask you, do you actually lie to people a lot in the beginning? Okay, well, this is, <laughs> yeah. you're going to have a fucking problem because yeah. usually right. you dudes get found out and, you know, then there's a Netflix special on you in three years. In this case, if this truly is the only thing that you've misled her on and then make sure if it makes you feel this bad. 
continue to be as open and honest as you possibly can with her because clearly this bothers you this much because I think you're actually a little too bothered by it. Not saying we're pro-lying, but this isn't that big of a fucking deal. And once she starts to like you like six months from now or whatever, you if it's still hanging over your conscience, you can just go, hey, I just want to be straight with you about this thing. I just fucking panicked and freaked out. I was so attracted to you. You're so awesome. You're so amazing. And then I thought like if I said whatever, but who knows, you know, you may fuck it up worse then and it'll be even more hurt, but good luck. Yeah, I mean, like what you, that 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 like initial screening that she did there, and like, hey, what's your past screening dating history? That's perfect. like that was like the teenager outside of the restaurant, like pointing that beam at your head and being like, oh, it says you're not, you don't have a fever, so you don't have COVID. And, and in reality, that beam says you're like 86 degrees, and the guy's like, I don't know, they just told me to do this. So like, that's like it really, it doesn't <laughs> no. like that. That question doesn't yield any real answers. You know what I mean? That's what I like. That that's a it's a it's a shameful thing to ask, but you were asked it, so you were just like, yeah, I don't have COVID. It's fine. It's totally fine. And I think I think you basically you boosted the resume, right? I I dropped a couple of letters off at, at grounds crew, or was I also grounds crew and operations manager? You know what I mean? Like I, that's totally fine. I, I think I think that I think this this never needs to come up again. A lot of times, like your partners aren't really interested in talking about what you used to do. Like, especially once you're in it, like I don't ever want to hear a story about what happened with somebody else. You know, I'm just not interested in it. She never wants to hear any of my stories about what happened and I don't say them. So like, once you get through this, there really shouldn't be any other bringing up of this up. And unless it's like eating at you like that was the Edgar Allan Poe story, unless it's like the Raven or something and you can't go to sleep. I think, uh, I think you'd never have to bring this up ever again. This is totally fine. She, you, you boosted your resume and be like, yeah, I've been there. I'm not a psycho. I know how to handle things. And as long as you can pull it off, uh, you know, if the relationship goes well, then this never needs to come up again. So I think you're overthinking this completely and, um, and you're all good. It's nice that you got a conscience though. No, it is cool that he cares. And clearly, you know, he obviously really likes this girl and wants it to work out. But I actually think it's it's kind of a it's you accidentally backed into kind of a great scenario for yourself here, because if it becomes an issue, like if she starts asking your friends about your said living situation that you lied about this early on, that's probably a massive red flag that she's like that hung up on it still. And if she catches you in the lie and you just say, hey, yeah, I don't know why I said that. Like, I don't know, it's just, I just really liked you. And she's still mad at you about that. Then. She's probably not the one, dude. So I kind of feel like either it's going to go away and never going to be a problem again, or it's going to come up in like the next week or so or month with your friends. It's going to be a huge red flag. So I actually kind of think you're fine here. And then again, you're the conscious thing, as you said, Ryan, if you really feel that bad about it and you tell her a couple months from now after you guys really kind of get along and are really settling in and like each other a lot and you say, hey, I'm really sorry. I don't want to said this. I don't want to I don't want our relationship to be built on lies, but I have to come up, come, you know, come clean about this situation. That's kind of like a that's kind of an awesome thing for you to be like, oh, he he's like he really cares. And I think she's going to value that. So I, I actually think you're in a great spot, even though you're kind of freaking out internally. Yeah. And I still can't get great, uh, over how great the one photo Tinder thing is of the one photo house listing on Zillow. That is Correct. one of the Kyle's all. <laughs> I mean, it's just fucking incredible. I haven't seen you since Thursday, so uh, I have to do something. Thanks. It's so good. I wish I had thought of it. And I love Zillow. But I'm, I guess the Tinder part, I'd never really connected. And it's just, it's really good. And I want it to get its, it get its love. All right, let's get another one in here. Um, the reunion time coming around. Not really, actually. Uh, well, this guy's in Perth. I don't know what the rules are down there. 27, 6'2", 91 kilos. Currently playing two nights a week of social basketball, uh, a game reminiscent of a young Tyler Hansborough gym around three, four times a week. Was that my 10-year high school reunion a couple months back? was a decent night. I didn't go. Did you guys go to your, are you guys, Kyle, my you class, just, 
My class didn't do it. Yeah, I was looking. I see the class after me. They they're pretty tight. Uh, my class didn't didn't do it. So uh, and now and now I get like I searched one time and now yearbook.com and alumni people and and you know find your classmates are all just flooding my inbox just because I checked to see if we had one. We didn't have one, <laughs> and now I've got uh, a bunch of spam from all these different yearbook people. So um, yeah, didn't get it. Uh, so maybe maybe we'll be there for a fifteen or twenty, but no ten. So Rudy, I did. I went to the five and the ten. Uh, five, love I, that. Jesus. I, you I guys said, liked each other. Well, no, no. So prideful guy. I bl- I'll blame it on like I was really Leo? good friends with the class treasurer, and she kind of like guilt tripped the rest of our friend group into going to this thing. But like I think secretly deep down we kind of did want to go. So it was kind of an excuse to be like, oh, I didn't actually want to go, but now I yeah. have to go. So if I'm being honest with myself, I probably did want to go. I don't know that I'm that. It's cool. In going. Well, I think it's cool that you wanted to go. I mean, th- I think what's way worse, and we're going to get to this at the end, is that but but the guy that desperately wants to go, but somehow wants you to think he doesn't want to go. <laughs> like, have, have other interests. Yeah, I mean, it was like, you know, there's people that I talked to. There's people that I didn't talk to. It was good to catch up with some guys that I played football with. But, you know, I wasn't like, you know, the, I'm not like a social butterfly here. So I wasn't talking. To, actually, my wife probably talked to more people than I did when I was there because she's a little bit more talkative than I am in those situations. But it was fun. Like, I'd recommend it. I don't know. It's not the end of the world. I want to yeah. go. Just in case anyone from the class of 2011 is listening, I want to go. Get this shit together, guys. I didn't go. It was the vineyard in the winter, and I was at that point in the winter, huh? Is that usually well, what it is? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's usually like around Thanksgiving, right? Oh, see, I got yeah. no reference point here, so I don't know. October. I mean, our UVM reunion was fucking awful, and we'd had a couple really good ones. This past one was supposed to be the biggest one, and it was the worst one. Um, no offense to the handful of people that I hung out with. Um, <laughs> Thanks for listening, Todd. I mean, one girl started crying, being like, I can't believe our class, the schools, we have no spirit. And I was like, all right, I got to, I like called my local buddies. They were like, aren't you, isn't it reunion? And I was like, no, we're going out. Like, fuck that. It's over. <laughs> it's over. Uh, yeah, my high school, when I, I didn't go to any of those, um, I guess it got like really wild. Really wild vineyard, the winter man. Don't know, don't know how to explain it other than nobody Gotta keep warm it. somehow. Nobody understands it. No, like the cops raided it. Like four or five dudes got arrested. It's fucking mm. crazy. Oh. Yeah. All right. All right, moving on. All right, so this guy's in Perth. Uh, hands roast thirty. So he's at the reunion. Decent night. Most people ended up kicking on until about one a.m. Was catching up with a former mate who I went to primary school with. That means friend in elementary school. For for, for those of you that don't speak Australian, yeah. Kicking on is, is drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love the way these dudes talk, to be honest yeah. with you. So I, I don't want it to sound as if. Uh, yeah. We had Bogut on. I could listen to Bogut talk forever. Oh, figures. Figures you would. Why? I'm, I'm Mr. Euro, not Mr. Australia. Come on. <laughs> oh, there's, a, there's a joke in there, but I'll, I'll leave it alone. Had a friendly enough chat reminiscing about the old days. Uh, then we got on this topic of this PlayStation game we used to play together. Ratchet and Clank, in case Kyle is familiar. I actually know that game. Kyle, I mean, were you a yeah, big yeah. vids guy? Yeah, I was. Um, didn't have a lot of money in the budget for it, but Blockbuster used to rent games at a pretty cheap uh, clip. So, yeah, every Friday I would uh, go get go to Blockbuster and, and get a get a game for that I could hold down for a couple of days. That was fun. Would you return the wrong one on purpose and keep the new one? Um, I think I may have switched the disc one time just because I wasn't really ready to let go of that uh, Jack and Daxter game. But um, but you know, so so mom's like, if you do that again, we're never going to go back there. So, um, 
or, yeah, I, after a while, I didn't do that. But yeah, I, yeah, I was a big video game guy for sure. Rudy? I am a big video game guy. Uh, a lot of Still people, am. not as much as, as there used to be with the kid around, but um, yeah, we, some weekend league FIFA action. Not as much Call of Duty recently, unfortunately. The game actually kind of sucked at the end there, but I've heard the new map is kind of fun. Um, and then what else have we played? I don't know, just like random stuff. I tried Rocket League recently. I'm terrible oh, at it. Is anybody good at it? Guy. Love it. Yeah, it seems impossible. It's, that game seems so hard. Like I'm terrible at it. So my younger brother, my younger brother is insanely good at it, and I tried to play with him, and he actually told me after he's like, "This is the worst game you can play if you're not good at it." And I was like, "I it checks out. I'm having the worst time ever." And that was it. I was just never physics, guys. Play. That's all. Yeah. All right. The guy so, who's really wondering what's going on here is the dude who wrote the email. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. So. <laughs> Uh, we were joking about firing it back up again, Ratchet and Clank. I didn't make much of the chat, passing it off as your usual drunken plans, which never go anywhere. I get it, man. We all get it. Cut to the next morning, and he's messaging me about catching up and playing this video game. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. He's a nice enough guy, but just not really into catching up with a guy I haven't seen in 10 years to play an old video game. At the time, I had wisdom teeth surgery coming up and said we should tease something up afterwards. I said this thinking the conversation would then trail off, which it did. That was until yesterday, now months later, that he messaged me to play this game again. What do I say to get out of this, or should I just make the effort and go? As I've said, the guy is fine, but I'm just not into the idea and feel awkward about feigning interest previously. Yeah, I think there's a major flag on this one that the night or the morning after the reunion, so this puts you at like the 27, 28-year-old age range, that the first thing this guy thought of was to f ask you to come over and play the video game. He still wants have... to start that business we talked about at 2 a.m. <laughs> ah, damn it, I thought you were going to let that go, dude. Yeah, right. Like, hey, send over your proof of financials and we'll see if we can get this, <laughs> you know, our slushy van going. <laughs> Right. Like, dude, I gotta get a couple, couple glasses of ice water in me here first, and <laughs> like, wait, what did you? What, you got loan paperwork already you, queued up in the do email. You know like, how many bacon, egg, and cheese trucks I pitched dudes out in L.A. at two in the morning, and then I just, and then I leave it there. I leave it there at two in the morning. I'm like, no one gets how to make it right here. There's always goat cheese or bagels. I just wanna. Nobody even knows what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a hard roll. And anytime it's a dude from the East Coast, he's like, yeah, we fucking should do that. And then and then it disappears. And I know it. That's fine. That's what this guy should have done. Yeah, that's that's where business is done. That never gets done. His <laughs> yeah. last call. Like that's this is I remember one of the first times I thought I was gonna buy a bar, it was because we were at a bar talking about it in our twenties. <laughs> like, I called my dad and my dad was like, Were you guys drinking when you put this plan together? And I was like, Yes. And he's like, Good luck. And yeah, guess right. what? It never went anywhere. It I will not went. be an investor. Yeah. My father called me out immediately. Again, I wasn't asking him for money, but I was trying to prove it. I was like, yeah, I got something in the works now because, <laughs> you know, I had nothing going on. So I would give my father like potential life updates. The quarterly updates. Less, yeah, a little less of a loser. And then he would, every time he'd be like, that doesn't sound like it's going to work. And I'd be like, okay. Um, and then he just got sick of me pitching. And then one time when I, yeah, again, I've already told the story. All right. Uh, I think there's some problems here, though. This guy's not going to let it go, which tells you what, as we just talked about with Sarah Walsh on the friendship stuff, this guy desperately wants you to be his friend. And I think I've learned as I've gotten older that it's one thing in the relationship when you show too much interest. It can be this weird turnoff where you're in this prove yourself window totally. with the opposite sex. I think for dudes, 
it's even worse. 100%. You almost have to act like you're so fucking cool. You don't want to hang out with the guys that you want to hang out with, right? And you kind of have to play this role and not have anything be too deep too soon. Um, Because then all of a sudden it's like, what the fuck? Whereas, you know, again, back to something we talked about before, when it's male friends, if you grew up and fucked up with each other, then there's a tolerance for each other that is almost irreplicable with somebody newer as you get older being like my tolerance for you is that like zero like maybe you're a one out of a hundred and if you're 40 and i've met you and you're 40 and you fuck up like once i'm like dude over i'm not doing this so uh despite you having this thing where you he was your mate from primary school uh even if you did it even if you went and played ratchet and clank at his house when you hadn't seen him before you may have fun but this is only going to lead to more invitations to other stuff. And if you wanted to reconnect with this guy or you thought it'd be good, maybe there is a positive. Is there potential business? Could you open a bar together one day? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, is there any, if you're one of those operators that's like, oh, like I met up with somebody that I hadn't seen in forever and we were very aligned on a lot of stuff that we were doing and we're like, we should be talking more about stuff. And I was like, I agree with you. We will, we will follow up. We will keep in touch. But if you feel like with this thing, you know, there's no benefit to you and there's no benefit to him and clearly you don't like him enough to write this email uh, i think him asking the morning after is weird i think asking months after is weird he may not have any friends and then if you show interest i think it's worse for dudes with dudes when the one dude has no friends it's like hey i may have met a friend like you're a fucking <laughs> summer camp and the, the the kid's by himself and he asks if you want to ride bikes with him. And then five minutes later, he's like, do you want to be best friends? You're like, fucking, hey, dude, take it easy. Like, we just went for a bike ride. Anyway. So, yeah, I don't remember. This is one of those cases where, like, the beginning of this email that we started reading, I don't remember any of the specifics because it feels yep. like that was 40 <laughs> minutes ago. But uh, if he is he out well, of the town? the time change. Yeah, of course. If he, if, like, is he out of town? I was thinking, like, it would be mean to be like, I'll catch you at the next reunion and we'll definitely do it then because you're basically saying, fuck off for five years. But maybe if it's like Thanksgiving, night before sort of deal, you could be like, yeah, we're going to go out to the bars, but maybe I'll pregame a ratchet and clank with you at your crib or something. Like, if you you know, one of those things where it's like, because I don't know if this dude's in the hometown, never left, and you're not, or everyone's in the hometown. I don't I don't know where you guys are spatially to each other, but you could just sort of push push it off to one of those, I'll be in town gonna go fuck around downtown but you know maybe we could pregame a little ratchet and clank to get the sky off your back otherwise just never answer him i think is what you're gonna have to do yeah. and you'll just have to just have to deal with that at the next reunion but uh i think it's either a or b i think it's either you you soft commit to something that's far enough away that you just keep kicking that can down the road uh or just disappear <laughs> just ghost the guy yeah. as somebody as somebody who uh recently had a super smash brothers eight person in-person tournament at, that's a great uh, time at that's a bachelor a party um i i i understand the guys like there is some nostalgia about playing video games with your friends together in one place like it is fun to play call of duty it's fun to play fifa online but you know there is something about like having a fantasy draft in like you know mvp 05 baseball with your buddies in a basement but i just don't know that at age 25 and then you get into your third, like once you get kind of older, it's weird. And then it's even more weird to do that one one on one. Like I would never call up one of my buddies. And, and we all talk about this all the time. Like I'd love to go back and play Conflict Desert Storm on the original Xbox. Four nice. people Fuck beat yeah, the dude. game itself. No online play like this. That, that was the prime of video game. Like video games now suck because everything everybody scams the system. There's bots in there. People are like modding their systems. It all depends on your Internet connection. 
dudes are like 12 year olds are talking shit about you all the time and DMs like it kind of sucks. But I would never call up one of my buddies and be like, hey, you want to come over and play one like just the two of us play a video game together? That's just that's just odd. To Do you want to so, beat this game tonight? Yeah, me? like I, like <laughs> we're not I, going to sleep till we beat the game. It, like so I could have nostalgia for it, but I don't want to I don't think it's cool. We just can't do it again. So I think the simple solution here is can you just give the guy your gamer tag um, and just say, hey, man, like I just don't, I don't have a ton of time to like come over or whatever. And as as Kyle said, I don't remember exactly what the, the, the like how far they were or like how often they see each other, or how easy it is for them to see each other because the email was a while ago. But I think. I think just give him your gamer tag and be like, yeah, hey, like I'm on Rocket League every couple of weeks or, you know, or like, I play duty every couple of weeks, like hop I in like our that. clan, like, you know, do do that. At least you're like you're giving him an olive branch, but you don't have to hang out with him one on one. I like it. I think that's the best advice. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best. I just think that anyone that's this aggressive, I don't think it's about Ratchet and Clank, man. I think it's about <laughs> you two guys. <laughs> so uh, I think, I mean. Honestly, the email didn't do a great job of like suggesting what other than the specifics of the timeline. Like the problem is, is the guy should have slow played it. The guy should have slow played it just like you do in a relationship, um, you know, where you should have just been like, ah, you know, maybe I want to play right chick claim with that guy. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure I want to, though. Maybe I'll text. Maybe I'll text you about it in two days. Not the fucking morning before, you know, like you don't drop a date off and then text her an hour later. And be like, what's your favorite movie? Yeah, you know like so um i think saruti nailed it there that way you sort of appease him a little bit and then again if he freaks out like friendship psycho desperation where he's like i thought we were going to do it in person you said at the reunion we would do it in person you're like all right cable guy (laughs) (laughs) yes and and then you don't even have to feel bad about it because you avoided what it likely be a much bigger hassle later on yeah it's not that guy's fault for being excited about it at 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 the reunion uh, drunk. I've been so excited about so many things. And then four o'clock the next day, dudes are like, where are you? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And they're like, dude, <laughs> my store. You said you were going to come to my store opening today. And I'm like, oh, man. In Covina, right? Shit. Uh. That seems way more specific. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I've been way, super excited about stuff. And then it's just, I even remember who the guy was. And it's like, who's this 203 number? Uh, they're like, where are you? I mean, I, it's, hey, been, it's not the first dudes, where are you text I got. But. Dudes have been getting excited late at night about future plans for a long time. <laughs> totally. It's never going to stop. That's it's what I mean. Never, that's not your fault. That's, that's not your the fault. fun part of that part of the night is all the stuff oh, yeah. that you're talking about that you're never going to do. It's in yeah, our DNA. So, yeah, I don't want that. I don't want anyone in that group. I don't want anyone in that group. You're like, hey, you know, none of us are going to do any of this. Yeah. Why don't right? we just calm down, guys? Yeah. <laughs> the amount of times I've bought like a, a beach or like I said, a, a lake house in Millinocket, Maine with three of my buddies be like, yeah, like, like, let's just put it, put, you know, put 20% down. We'll each go up a couple weekends. We can spend <laughs> some time there. And all of our wives and girlfriends look at each other like, thank God they're not going to, well, they just know we're not going to follow through on these plans. But we talk about it every time we go out. It's just what you do. And then you just never follow up on it. Yeah. I think the cool part about being older is that you, you already know how full of shit you are and you just do it again. <laughs> yeah. You just say, you tell the same stories over and over and over. Like somebody was telling a story. I forget. There was a few of us that were together. It was months ago. And the guy was like, I don't know. And I go, I don't care. I've heard the story eight times. I want to hear it a ninth. And I go, just think like we're only in the awareness phase of the repeating. I'm like we're 20 years away from not even being aware how repetitive it is. So we might as well right. at least in, we might as well do it now, knowing we're still fucking playing the same notes and realizing it. Like this is only the awareness part where at the beginning it was fun to tell the story, you know, for the first or second time. Okay. Uh that's life advice. 
international, baby. Life advice uh, with Kyle, Steve. Thanks as always for the podcast. Uh, we have a pretty cool setup. A little later um, release and a reminder: we're going to do our Sweet Sixteen of dudes on Thursday. And I'm not quite sure how it's going to work out on the worst dudes of the 16 and how it'll be seated, but we're going to do it uh, because we've been talking about it for a little while. And then we've got John Horst on, who's the Milwaukee Bucks general manager. So Tuesday, Thursday, Sundays with Bill. See you on Thursday.